Hi, I'm James Van Osdell, and who the fuck are you? That one's serious. I like that. <laughs> Settle in as we begin to tell you about some friends, folks you know in Chicago and some you've never met. We'll talk about the things they say and do. There's a question posed to old and new. Who the fuck are you? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Kevin Alvis, and welcome back to another episode of Who the Fuck Are You? Hey there. Hi. Thanks for coming back. Can I ask a favor from you? When you get a second... Jump on your computer, or your phone, or your watch, or your iPad, or your iShoe, whatever you got going. Plug into your browser, podcastawards.com. That takes you to the website for the Podcast Awards, the People's Choice. Then, you click on a blue button that says Nominations Voting Now Open. Click here to vote. Then you click, clack, 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 enter your name, and then you can vote for Who the Fuck Are You?, for best male hosted podcast. That's right. Best podcast hosted by a male. Who the fuck are you? That'd be great if you did that. Could you imagine if I won? Oh, I'd be the best around. Or at least of the people who voted. Voting's open until July 31st. So please, if you got a second, you don't mind doing it, jump on over. Give us a vote. Do it for me. Do it for the show. Do it for Chicago. My guest today is a staple in the Chicago radio community. You know him from such stations as Q101 and 97.9 The Loop. You may also know him from his long-running podcast, Car Con Carne. It's really hard for me to say for some reason. Please welcome to the show, James Van Ostel. <laughs> hey there, James. Hello. <laughs> That's the only time I ever wish my podcast was a video podcast because it was <laughs> like you were setting up a perfect turnaround intro like, oh, hello, I didn't see you there. It's like it's my first Zoom call. <laughs> it's weird how even after all this time, sometimes it's like, which button do I press? Am uh -huh. I muted? What's going I, on? I, I've only done 200 of these since the pandemic started. You have been ridiculously busy. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I know no one wants to talk about the past 15 months anymore. We've all moved past it and it's almost uncomfortable to talk about that. But I got to a point with my podcast, Carcon Carne, carconcarne.com, Kevin, uh, <laughs> where I realized in March of 2020, after seven years, if I didn't do something to keep it moving forward, by the time we emerged from the pandemic, the podcast would be DOA. So I looked at it from the perspective of, okay, I did it in my car. I can't do that. I want to keep it going. So I decided to switch to nightly from home, which one kept the podcast alive, but two, it gave me something to do. It gave right. me something to do other than doom scrolling or going through Netflix thinking, Oh my God, I, there's nothing else, nothing left for me to watch. Um, I did when I was talking to people during the pandemic, it was always, how's your year? What, what are you doing to get through mm -hmm. this year? Things like that. Now they're on the back end of it. I've been kind of going back and trying to put a little bit more of a positive spin on things and seeing, sure. seeing more of the positive of what happened during the lockdown. And so my question for you then is, did you pick up anything new outside of the revamp of your podcast for a while? Mm -hmm. uh, did you take on any new hobbies? Did you find did. anything new about First week of April of 2020, I decided I've never 
learned how to play guitar. I want to learn how to play guitar. So reached out, talked to a friend of mine who owns a guitar shop and he delivered to my doorstep an acoustic Fender guitar, a dreadnought Fender guitar. Wow. And I've over the past, you know, whatever it's been 14, 15 months, been taking Fender play online lessons and practicing. I'm not good, but I've been, I can honestly say I've been playing guitar for over a year and that started because of the pandemic. Oh, that's fucking great. That's exciting. A guitar is something I played for a very short time when I was a child. And I have tried to get back into it it's at least hard. six times as an adult. Absolutely, it's hard. And um, that's that's really great because most people are like, oh, I didn't really do much. But you're like, yes, let's do this and learn guitar. And it's surprising to me that you don't already play guitar because right. you're such a music person. Because I mean, music is basically, it seems like, been your adult life. Uh, it has and it's well it's been my childhood my it's been my life period um yeah I, I you know i tried to play it i tried to learn in high school i didn't have the aptitude but i don't even think that was the issue i just didn't have the patience i didn't have the patience to get past my my fingertips hurting mm-hmm. i didn't have the patience to to learn chords also the, the way guitar was taught when i was younger you know I'm, I'm of an advanced age at this point it was really all focused on learning scales right out of the gate learning scales yeah. and to teach a, a teenager and you, you got to hook them in with familiar stuff and stuff that right. is empowering. Like I learned this riff or I learned this lick familiar stuff to get them confident and excited to learn the, the nuts and bolts stuff. But for me, it was all learning scales and it's just, it, it was not, it wasn't fun. And I wanted no. it to be fun. The technical the, side of all that's the really boring part. And you just want to skip to the, like, can I do some uh, ACDC opener or and something? It's, fun. It's, all imp- it's all important. But to hook people in and get them feeling like, oh, I can do this or this is awesome, you gotta you gotta give them a couple of wins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you I gotta hear something familiar coming out right. of your fingers. And I, I think that's what I was missing when I was in high school. And now, you know, I I do like this Fender Online program because they give you some basics, but you know, every four or five lessons they throw you a riff or a song that oh that's great that's great feel confident about it's like okay i can play bad moon rising and louis louis that's how you build confidence but that feels so good that first time you get through that section of music without stopping and without really fucking up and you're like oh shit i just made music the stuff that i've been listening to all my life it's so empowering i a couple nights ago i I was searching guitar tabs online i'm like oh i can play clamp down by the clash fuck that's amazing <laughs> and that's all you've done i'm sure you're how's your family holding up on that are they like over it already are they like play something for us or are you like hey come here work some shit out and they're like no 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 I, I i still am very solitary about it i i don't have any level of confidence mm-hmm. to to share with people but I, i'm confident enough that i feel like okay i've accomplished something like i i can trace my progress from where i was to where i am today i'm not good but i'm good enough that i don't feel like i wasted my time well, that's great. I mean, because again, it's it's good to find the positives in this past year. And I think that's a really fucking great thing to do, especially like, again, like we were saying, because you have spent your life in music. Because I mean, you have worked in the radio industry, either uh, behind the scenes or mm-hmm. on air, uh, pretty much what, what all your life, it seems like. What what was the hook for music for you? Like at what age were did the, did you feel that music punch through your chest and grab you and be like, I'm yours? As early as I can remember. I mean, yeah. I'm one of those guys who pretty much knew from childhood what he wanted to do for a living. I don't think a lot of people can say that. I'm not Absolutely saying it's, not. it's a good or bad thing, but uh, I was really clear. I wanted to be involved with radio, not because I wanted to hear the sound of my own voice. I, I really just wanted to be around music. That mm-hmm. was it. I just wanted to play songs. I wanted to be able to, to play records, curate records, 
just be around music. And again, it wasn't because I wanted to be the next Jonathan Brandmeyer, Kevin Matthews, Steve Dowell. I just wanted to, wanted to be near new music. What was the first album that you remember that really hooked you? Or like, did you have like a first album that you were able to buy that kind of sure. was the symbol of the start? Uh, the first record I can remember buying is, I think it was the first record I ever bought, was Rock and Roll Over by Kiss. Oh, yeah. And the first seven inch I ever bought was the double A side, A side of Queen, We Will Rock You, We Are the Champions. Oh, it's such a good one. Oh, it's right? so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember listening to that in my living room growing up with my mom because my parents, of course, had a record player. That's what you had back in the day. Right. Uh, or if you're my grandparents, you have the big cabinet that's the record player and the A-track. Oh, I my love God. Those. I had the big lid you had to lift up and everything, and it was just my favorite. There, There's an antique store on Broadway, like uh, Granville and Broadway, maybe a block south of there, and they have a lot of that old audio stuff, like the, those cabinets mixed in with you know thrifty vintage type stuff mm -hmm. i love going through that stuff you'll have to come by my house one day i actually have my grandfather's i think it was his first cabinet record player it's the one before the one that I, he had when i was growing up uh, it was kind of stuck off in a corner somewhere but it's an old slide door one side's just slots for your records and you slide over it. and the other is the record player and the speakers are in the front it's that beautiful old like 70s 60s brown oh i love it well it, a part two to your earlier question about things picked up during the pandemic i started recollecting records a couple of years ago oh yeah the, pan the pandemic found me just going full speed ahead with because when I would get records sent to my home, it was like a message from the outside world. I <laughs> it was it was very thrilling. Like I, I so I kept ordering records, and oh, they great. kept coming. Whether it was Amazon, other record stores, weird, creepy online retailers, I just flooded my front door with record deliveries, and that set a bad precedent for myself because now it's just I'm going Out to record control. stores every weekend and oh. just making up for lost time. But th that was definitely a pandemic thing. Was going all in with obsessive vinyl collecting. I had a friend of mine who kind of, uh, she was, uh, she's obsessed with vinyl as well. And I asked her this question, I'll, I'll put it to you as well. If you had a top three album that got you, top three albums that got you through the pandemic, like what were the three that you listened to the most or like kind of like the ones that you listened to that kind of get you up and motivated through that time? Uh, on the front end of the pandemic, it was probably the Garrig by the Who, H-U. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they are a Mongolian metal band, and they are fantastic. Uh, they'll be at the Park West in Chicago in October. The Mon a, a Mongolian metal band? They are legit. It, it, fantastic band. I've seen them live a couple times. I, Kevin, trust me on this. Go to Park West. Okay. October. Uh, that was probably the front end. On the back end of it, I was obsessively listening to Idols, I-D-L-E-S, uh, UK band sounds like a cross between the Jesus lizard and the fall. My friend Dennis turned me on to them. I feel like I'm totally late to the party on this, but holy shit, lyrically, musically, this band is everything I love about music. That album, their most recent one, um, Ultramano maybe, uh, was just always on the turntable. It seems like that you kind of sit in a good space of genre for uh, you seem to be more into rock. Would you say that rock and heavy metal is kind of your your style and your genre? Are you across the board on what you listen to? I'm across the board. I mean, my my radio background has had me at rock stations. I worked at WXRT. I worked at The Loop. I worked at Q101. Uh, so my public facing persona is very much rock alt that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um the zone which was a hard rock active rock station but i do listen to pretty much everything kevin i i, I find myself spreading myself over all, all different genres i really 
I, I'm open to everything. I, I'm, I listen to everything and I have a pretty fair background with everything. What would you say would be then if, because I mean, you're rock, you have this rock persona because of where you work and everything like that and what people see you as. What would be the most surprising then album on the opposite end that if somebody was going through your collection and be like, you listen to this or, you know, <laughs> you have something like that? I don't, I don't know if there are surprises. Um, you know, I, I've got, I've got blues records. I just bought Howlin' Wolf record the other day. I've got, um, I just bought a Ramsey Lewis record from the cutout bin or the the budget bin of a record store uh, the in crowd ramsey lewis uh, i don't i don't know i, I would i would i'd like to think if people know me nothing would really surprise them i i, I do I, I just love music and it seems very evident because you seem to always kind of know like just now talking through this podcast so far is every time you mention a band or something, you spew out some other information <laughs> about, uh, well, they were formed in this time, or they're going to be here at this time, or I saw them doing this and this time. It, it's, you just seem to be a music, music sponge. Well, look, everyone has a hobby, right? Right. You know, and I, I, I so is it really just, you can't get enough? I mean, are, are you like sitting down nightly, just checking out all the websites and things or, you know, if anything, this is something I, I keep talking about because it, I'm obsessed with this point. We live in this really interesting, exciting, wonderful time where if you're a music fan, awesome. Everything ever created is available in some way, shape, or form. It is searchable. It is Googleable. You can find everything that was ever recorded. Mm-hmm. That said, I, I think it's really challenging to find stuff you're into. I, The idea, Kevin, of, of sitting through or going through all those websites, trying to find a holy grail or a diamond in the rough, that stresses me out. I, I, <laughs> it's, I, well, I, I agree. Yeah. That sounds really so, stressful. I don't want to do homework. Yeah, exactly. So we live in this time where everything's out there, but I think it's really hard to find what you're into. It, it, it's the, this ironic disconnect where it's really curation is kind of lost. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, YouTube music is run by Google, Avi, Avi, <laughs> but the recommendation engines on YouTube music suck. The algorithms never point me to what I want to hear. Uh-huh. And I, I think one thing that's been lost in the past several years in the internet age is that human touch, that human curation, that mm-hmm. non-algorithmic yep. curation. So I, I, I listen to tons of stuff. I do follow the, the I, I do follow leads I see in magazines, websites, et cetera, but it's hard. It is hard to keep up on stuff. It's because just, the market is flooded every it's time a, you turn around. It's the proverbial drinking from a fire hose. It's it's really <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yes, that's that's the perfect way to put that. Um, James, you're from Chicago, correct, or right from correct. this area? Uh, I was born Edgewater Hospital in Rogers Park. Oh, nice. nice or actually, nice. Edgewater. Uh, have you ever spent time away from Chicago or you've just been here? Like, did you ever like try to go to L.A. and do some oh, radio no. work there or anything oh, like God, that? Oh, God, no. Or, no, no. No, it's funny. I, I graduated from Columbia College uh, without taking a math class, which, of course, is a significant wow, achievement. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. But it, I had lots of those grizzled, old, bitter broadcasting instructors who said, mm. you know, if you want to be successful in radio, you're going to have to move. You're going to have to go to City XYZ, work in the middle of the night, play country records. And it was those grizzled bastards those bitter old <laughs> end of career guys who inspired me to never want to leave chicago oh, it, it was amazing. those guys i mean when someone tells you you can't do something that is the exact fucking reason to do that thing and find right. a way to make it happen and yeah. that was that was my perspective so i never wanted to leave chicago i figured i found a way to start working in chicago i've lived here my whole life i love 
the city. I love the suburbs. I love the the metro, the DMA. I, I love this area. Why should I ever leave it? What was your first job out of college? Like, what did you remember? What was your first good radio job? The one when you were like, "Oh shit, fuck, this is gonna work." You know, it, it's funny. My, I, I've been very lucky, Kevin. I my first job out of college was a radio job. I, I got it before I finished college. It, it was a twenty-hour-a-week programming assistant job at a station called Q101, which had, at that point, only recently switched to an alternative music format. Mm -hmm. And I started there as an intern and just a new radio station, new radio station, who does new radio station, they needed help and at right place, right time. And I got a job working in programming 20 hours a week, $5 an hour. I, I was so excited about it at the time. I mean, truly like this was, this was that moment. I mean, to answer your question, this was the moment where I realized, Oh shit, I think I'm doing this. Uh, I framed my first pay stub. Oh, great. Oh, which nice. I mean, my first poverty level pay stub, but <laughs> You know, at, but the that, time, at that age, that's riches, that's gold, you know, right? That, that was that was it. That was my in. And, you know, things obviously grew from there. I started to do stuff on the radio. And, you know, here we are today, lucky enough to talk to Kevin. Oh, I, you know, so many people say that. And I just oh, yeah. been like, yeah, get out of here. You're this is crazy. the way this is the way successful career trajectories go. Oh, I'm, they, they I end up on this podcast. I have launched so many people in the past just few months since we started. I mean, if you look online, there's I'm sure you'll see thousands of people who have just even just listening to this podcast. Oh, for sure. I've gone on to bigger, better things. Yeah, your show is the rising tide that lifts all boats. Oh my God, that's, can I put that on the website as a quote from you? Why wouldn't like, you? Why wouldn't you? I, I'm going to, I'm so glad we've got this recorded because I'll forget to, <laughs> I'll forget to write it down in a minute, but that's going to go up. It's, that's just going to be the tag for this episode and it, that'll just be quoted by you and then people will just have to listen. Um, have you ever fucked up on air and just dropped an F-bomb or something like that by accident? I've, oh sure, I fucked up on the air. I mean, that's, I have a career rich with those, those moments. Here's the thing. Uh, it's, it's funny, I was just telling my son about this moment the other day I and mean, back when radio stations played cds you know th there was always the the thrill of yeah i may i may queue up the wrong track or, or do the wrong thing uh i was playing i think i was supposed to queue up turn the page by metallica off garage inc this is when i was at q and a one i was doing nights i think at that point i was seven to midnight mm -hmm. and i just miscued the cd that it it happens it's yeah, human understandable error. but i ended up playing so what the uh, the anti nowhere song, and the lyrics to so what I'm going to pull those up uh, right out of the gate. This went out on the air. So fucking what is the the opening line of that one? And I've been every fucking where. Um, I fucked the queen. I fucked Bach. I've even sucked an old man's cock. I mean, great wow. stuff. Great wow, stuff. that's solid, solid. So here's the thing. I remember. What was I queued? It must have been turn the page. I can't imagine we were playing anything else off that. I queued up so what by mistake. I fired off the song from the console. And once I did that, I did my usual walk around the corner of the studio to start filing CDs and commercial uh -huh. carts. I have the speaker on and I hear James Hetfield start singing these songs. And I did one of those like <laughs> slow motion dives for the console. And it, it was it was a heart attack moment because you can't take it back. Oh no, we, we, we weren't in delay. And this is prime fucking time. This is mm. seven o'clock when radio was, you know, people listen to the radio at yeah, seven yeah, o'clock. Yeah. And I spent the rest of the night wondering if I would have a job the next day. Oh my God. I, I, I would, my stomach would have been in my throat waiting for that call. Just be like, you can just go on home now. Right. I mean, just because th that is a legitimate uh, FCC violation 
totally unintentional, but oh yeah, but yeah, you can't say fuck that much. No, but here's the good news. Uh, I was like a folk hero for the night, really, with, with the audience. <laughs> like, wow, JVO's cool. He played so what? It's seven o'clock at night. Like, you're, let's see the other DJ. Let's see Man Cow do that. No, your fucking your audience just tripled that night. Like, you got oh yeah, check out James's shit, man. But I mean, that, that was the biggest one I could think of, and I, I just recounted that story to my son. Here's the problem with radio today, and I, I say this. I say problem in quotes. I don't want to sound negative. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of radio is voice tracked across the country. It's not unique to Chicago. It, it's a country countrywide thing. The thing about voice tracking, pre-recording your breaks before they air, DJs, hosts are able to record perfect breaks going into songs. You hear a very polished disc jockey do that. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think voice tracking makes disc jockeys sound really good i don't think it makes them good personalities so you're saying before they come back in what they go what what you hear them saying is pre-recorded they just hit play on their own little segment and they move into another song right so it's terrible that's there are many reasons for it and i'm not being negative about the industry i I love the industry the industry has been great and supports me but my point is live radio let's just jockeys become personalities because Mm -hmm. it is those fuck-ups it is when people make mistakes on the air the recovery is what you remember. You remember the, the creative way they got out of that situation. Absolutely. And I, I think the fuck-ups make memorable personalities. I think voice tracking makes great disc jockeys. Live radio makes great personalities. And I agree, because, I mean, that's growing up. I mean, that's what I listened to the radio for. I mean, you, you had your favorite DJs that came on that played the right kind of music that you liked, cracked the right kind of jokes, that kind of thing. And it was a th- it uh, wasn't perfect. It was, you know, sometimes it was messy. Sometimes it was, it was a pause or sometimes oh, it was I've, a I've crazy laugh up. and, you know, all kinds of things that would crawl over the song and you're trying to record That's... it. You're like, ah, they were talking, but fuck, they were funny. You yeah. Know? Oh, I, I've stepped on vocals. I've, uh, I've forgotten what I was planning to say with a live mic on. And I, I've made mistakes throughout my entire career and I don't regret any of them. Honestly, it's why I love podcasting. It's why I it's why I've been podcasting for, you know, however long, 15 years or whatever. And it's why I eagerly will jump on anyone's podcast. I love being part of other people's shows because it is raw. It is authentic. Mm -hmm. And it's just a conversation. And and, and you're just two people having a a chat about things and might learn some information on the the side. Um, But yes, I 100 percent agree with you uh, about the the nice the the great part of podcasting which i never thought i would be into something like podcasting because i see it podcasting is just as pre-recorded talk radio and growing up talk radio was you know boring as hell because you were in the car with grandpa and he was listening to npr and you're like oh if it's not paul harvey i don't want to hear it but now moving into this world it's it's actually kind of fun it's like hanging out with some people especially if you are uh you know listening to some comedians talk or things like that it's they're just riffing they're trying to trying new new bits and things like that. And it's like you're being in the room with them. And it's a just nice way to connect, especially when you're in a boring bus ride or something. Well, like that. and the beauty of podcasts is episodes don't all have to be the same length. Mm-hmm. Unlike, you know, traditional media where you know how long a show is going to be. I mean, a podcast episode can be as long as it's interesting. I mean, I know right. when I, when I'm doing an interview, I know when I've hit that point of diminishing returns and it's time to call it. And it's not, to be negative about the person I'm talking to, but every conversation has a life cycle Absolutely. and you know, you know, in your head when you're done and you can do that, you can call it. Okay. That was 20 minutes. I'm done. I'm out. That's the beauty of podcasts is just that honesty and that not need, needing to be beholden to a clock. 
Absolutely. And with that being said, thanks for coming by, James. We really appreciate you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> but uh, I do want to start talking about your podcast because I don't want to keep you all night, but I definitely want to talk about that because you've been podcasting forever. Obviously, you just said 15 years. Um, tell us a little bit about your podcast because I, <laughs> I love your podcast because it it brings two things that I love together, talking to people and eating food. And eating food, um, which I couldn't do during the pandemic. So sad, so sad. But I, tell us, what you you host a show called Car Carn Carne. You interview musicians mainly, but anybody really, uh, while eating food in your car. <laughs> yes. Is wonderful. I, I love yeah, that and concept. It, and just to kind of dispel that a little bit, it really isn't just entertainers. I mean, I'll have authors i'll have interesting people I, I i'm not restricting the the guest list to just people who make music or you know actors or entertainers i, I like a breadth just people of guests yeah i mean if, if someone's interesting I, i'll have them on um for instance I, i'm kind of doing a hybrid version of my podcast now in that i'm doing the in-car eating recording in the car uh, but i'm still doing stuff like we're doing right now doing mm -hmm. it over zoom doing it virtually because it, sometimes it's hard to get all the guests you want to go go in the car and also Absolutely. it costs a lot of money to, to buy all those meals so <laughs> you know for instance i have a sex work advocate from new york who does a one-woman show in new york city uh in a couple of weeks she's coming on the show Great. just because just because i think she's interesting well yeah that sounds like a very interesting thing to talk about yeah and you know as we're as we're doing this uh, i have uh rock critic jessica hopper longtime chicago rock critic jessica hopper who's also an author she'll be coming on the show and it, it just if someone has an interesting story, I want to talk about it. And That's so it, I, I've had brewers and distillers and athletes. I had former, well, I guess this is entertainment, former WWE champion Drew McIntyre a couple of weeks ago. That's awesome. I saw yeah. where you also had Joel McHale too from Community and yes. Old Soup. That's, you just have so many good people on. But um, here's the interesting thing, Kevin. I, I, not, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I, I, I sound very mansplaining. Son of a bitch. Here's the interesting thing. I, I have been lucky to have a couple of, high profile guests like Drew McIntyre or Joel McHale or even Tiffany a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh yeah. Really? Oh yeah. The that was Tiffany? her second, that was her second time. Oh my God. I fucking loved Tiffany growing up. Oh yeah. You should watch the video. She, she performs in the car. Oh, I will. I'm going to go back and watch that episode. I've missed that one. Yes. I will go do that one. But here's the thing. The, the high profile guests are really good for the podcast in that they help me get other high profile guests. Yes. I've found from a metrics, from an analytics point of view, the guests that really make the podcast successful are the local, the independent guests, mm -hmm. because the big stars don't really share your content. Right. Yep. But the, the other guests, the independent musicians, actors, et cetera, they are all, all in and they want to, they want to talk about their appearance. And that's the lifeblood of what I do. And I, I will, I'm proud of the big guests I've had, but I really am most excited about those independent artists because they, they keep the podcast going. How did you come up with this concept? Like, what were you, were you out drinking with some people one night? We're like, we should fucking do a podcast in my car and eat some ribs or like, where, where did you marry these two? I, I started the podcast seven and a half years ago with my friend, Mike, and Mike is a voiceover artist. And we wanted to do a barbecue podcast because at the time it was weird, like 2014, 2015, what 2014 2013 god damn it it's a long time ago <laughs> um barbecue restaurants were everywhere 
in the city and suburbs. They, oh, they okay. were, there was like a barbecue renaissance. And I'm saying this to a guy from the South who's rolling his eyes. But, oh, no, no. Chicago barbecue, man. I found some really great places here. Like, you can't fuck around. It's good. Yeah. It's good. There, there, there was a prolifer- proliferation of barbecue places. And we thought, let's do a barbecue podcast. But then we realized, well, we can't really do it inside restaurants because of the noise. And, you know, the restaurants might not, might not like that. And my friend Mike, who's a voiceover guy, said, you know, I'm always on the run or on the road or whatever. And I get calls from my agent asking to do auditions or record voice stuff. He's like, I always travel with my laptop and my microphone. And if I need to, I jump into my car because it's the closest thing to my soundproof studio at my disposal. And I'll I'll use the car as a, a remote studio. So we thought, well, let's try to do a barbecue podcast in the car and mic it up. And so we did the that for, thing ever in a small little oh space my, for real. <laughs> and that's what we did for a year. It was just the two of us doing this podcast in my car, going to barbecue places. So we'd go to the South side, we'd go to the burbs, we'd go you know, to the big, big names like smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mike, because he is a professional, awesome voiceover guy, uh, decided to move his family to New York to be closer to his agency and to work, yeah, which yeah. has proven to be a good move for him. And that left me, you know, a year into the podcast, figuring out what do I do to reinvent this? And I didn't want to take on another co-host. So I thought I'm just going to do, make it my show, have different guests every week. And to make it easier on myself, (laughs) open it up to all cuisines and just go to different restaurants for each episode and bring, you know, try to find restaurants in the general area of where my guests live to make it easy for them to meet me at the restaurant. I was going to ask how it was, how, how you chose where to go, if it was a a choice of the guest, or if you were like, Oh, I really want to try a place or if you kind of worked it out that way. So it's usually kind of just finding out where they are. I I like to find out where they are. I mean, it is an expensive thing. When I first started doing this before I had sponsors, it, I was paying for every meal and Oh, wow. Yeah. it, It was not sustainable. So in the present day, I am trying to find restaurants who want to, participate trade you know mentions and i was gonna ask video. if you had any kind of deals or if you've had restaurants like hear the show and be like hey fucking come eat at my place we'll totally I, I've, had, you up. I've, I've been fortunate enough to have a bunch oh that's big, great big names and small names but it, it's hard and I, I haven't really had it happen post pandemic and i don't want to really ask restaurants because everyone had such a struggle over the past right. year yeah yeah i know but, you just opened back up can i have some free food right that doesn't work What's been your favorite place to go to to eat so far? Like, do you have one you were one show where you were like, whatever we had there, that was the place. Like, that was the number one. I, I've had some really wonderful food. Here's the thing. When you're doing an interview, it's really hard to fully enjoy what you're eating. I've had great food, and I've, mm-hmm. I've been lucky enough to have leftovers and take them home and eat them there. But when I'm trying to conduct an interview and, and run the, the or engineer it, I, I want to get through the meal really quick so that I can focus on everything else. I don't mm-hmm. want to be chewing when I could be asking questions. So I don't, I don't savor the meals as much as I should. Oh, okay. When oh, I do the podcast, because I'm kind of rushing through everything, but I mean, I've, I've been to, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the list right now. I've been everywhere from Kumas to Dante's to Lagunitas tap room to uh, Gino's Lou's Haymarket. Eating Kumas in the car sounds like the messiest fucking thing I've ever Worth heard it. in my life. I'm sure Worth oh, it, it's Kumas because it's fucking Kumas. Yeah. Um, but the Led Zeppelin there is hands down my favorite. And Led I, Zeppelin's a little vanilla, I think. Yeah, you it, think? It, as far as their burgers go, I think that's a really safe choice. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm going to challenge you, Kevin, next time you go to Kumas to 
stretch outside your comfort zone, maybe go with the lair of the Minotaur. Oh, or... I've, I've eyeballed that before. That's a, yeah. that's a ballsy move. Uh, James, I'm so glad you're able to get back in the car. I'm glad things are opening back up again. Um, where can people find your show and how often do you put out episodes? Uh, these are all good questions. Carcon Carne is available on carconcarne.com, C-A-R-C-O-N-C-A-R-N-E.com. I put videos uh, of each episode on Facebook and YouTube, so you can watch that. So, for instance, yeah, I mentioned the Tiffany episode. You can see her performing her latest song, Hey Baby, oh, in the car. That's awesome. So jealous. Uh-huh. It, it was super cool. Uh, so that's where you can find it. Episode wise, I've been, I went from every night during the pandemic to about two or three a week now. Okay. And one of those is in car and the other two are usually virtual. So I, I mentioned Jessica Hopper. We're recording this on July 1st. I'll be talking to her on July 2nd. And I'm working on guests right now, which I think you'll agree is one of the more challenging parts of hosting a podcast. It truly is. It truly is. I'm learning more and more that apparently people don't like to answer emails, especially from strangers. When I make my first million doing Carcon Carne, well, first I'll buy a skee-ball machine. I've always wanted a skee-ball machine. Okay. But second, I'm going to hire a producer, not a salesperson, a producer. Mm -hmm. I'll figure the sales shit out. If I can just get someone booking guests, that'd be great. Well, James, we've hit a part of the show. Uh, it's I love this part of the show. It's a part of the show called Same Three Questions. Same Three Questions. And these are the exact same three questions I ask all of my guests because I love to hear uh, what they all have to say. And it kind of just shows me a little bit more about who they are. Uh, so, James, question number one, if you could have one superpower, which would it be and why? Teleportation. I, I don't get to travel as much as I'd love to. Um, I, I would love to just say, I would like to go try one of those sandwiches in New Orleans. I'll be right back. Bing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think, and teleportation has been, I think, the most popular answer, mainly for that reason, for travel. It's, it's either been for travel uh, internationally, or I don't have to wait for the fucking bus in the snow in Chicago. Oh, yeah, commuting. Yeah, Ugh, forget There'd it. be no commuting. I mean, it would I mean, be amazing. What other, what other superpower is worth it? Strength? Flight? I think I would do the flight thing just because for the, for the thrill, but teleportation, absolutely. Get here, get there. I don't have to wait on the bus. I can just go to work, come right back. I could go home and visit my family on the weekends with no problem. Right. You know, I could go to Hawaii, like right now. If anyone ever answers invisibility, flag that person. That's a, that's a, creep, that's a creepy answer. <laughs> oh, I think I did have that once. I have to go back and listen to who that was. We'll flag uh-huh. them on Facebook. I'm like, y'all just don't follow this person anymore. <laughs> Uh, number two, if after you died, you were reincarnated as a sandwich, which sandwich would you want to be? Uh, I'd be a Reuben. The Reuben is the perfect sandwich. Oh, it's, why is that? Well, it's the rye bread. It's the sauerkraut. It's the thousand island dressing. It's the Swiss cheese. All those flavors co-mingle into something truly glorious. It is the perfect sandwich, Kevin. And if I were to be reincarnated as a sandwich, I'd want it to be the best of the best. All right. I like it's 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 uh, it's like you studied before this test. And that was like the perfect answer. I, I, I believe every bit of that. It's perfect. And now I just see you as a Reuben sandwich. It's pretty great. Cool. Uh, um, uh, so far, you're doing great. You got the first two right. So you're doing great. Um, question number three. Hey, James, blue or green? Green. Oh, so sorry. The answer was blue. God damn it. The answer is blue. I know it's so many people get that wrong. And mm-hmm. And they always will. But um, did great. Two out of three. Cool. Hey, that's about average across the board. You're doing great. You're doing great with the best of them. Um, James, thanks so much for sitting down with me today, man. It's good to see you. Well, no, this was super fun. This I, I love what you're doing. This was awesome. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate your time. I always have a fucking great time chatting with James. 
Be sure to check out his podcast, Car Con Carne. You can find that at carconcarne.com. Why is it so hard for me to say that? It's three simple words, but she's Louise. Go listen to the fucking podcast. James is the shit. Follow him on social media. Go now. What are you doing? Get out of here. Well, that about does it for this episode. As always, a big thank you to my dear friend, Mr. Jason Moody, for that kick-ass theme song, and my dear friend, Corbett Pasco, for that kick-ass three-question stinger. Be sure to rate and review us. Just do it. Go do that, too. Vote. Rate and review us. I love you. Come see us again when we have another guest, and we ask them that burning question. Who the fuck are you? Blah, blah, blah. Big talk.